Greetings and blessings to you, not about us listeners. Welcome to this, the next Revelation Study podcast. As always, I'm thrilled that you are here, but I'm also thankful that you are here. My goal today is to paint a picture of John in our heads as he gives us the details of where he was and what he was doing when he received the revelation about his beloved friend and Savior. So, let us get started. I am Brad. And I am Scott. And this is not about us. So listeners, if you've listened to even just one or two of our other podcasts from Not About Us, then you probably know that Scott and I are not capable of doing these studies without the right resource. And of course, that resource is the author of creation, the Almighty One, Yahweh. Amen. It is particularly important to us that these studies are not about us and that they are representing who they are about in the best way. The reason is, is because we adore him and we love our awesome God. So that being said, to ensure that there is less Brad and more spirit in today's study, Scott, would you please start us out on the right path with the prayer and invitation for the spirit to be with us and bless us today as we continue on with Revelation. Oh, absolutely. And I'm so glad you put it like that because I was uh, initially scared you were going to say less Brad and more Scott. And I was like, oh, no, we don't want to go there. But <laughs> Spirit, yes, yes, Spirit, we definitely invite you in. So just thank you. Thank you, Yahweh God. We just thank you and we praise you for for all that you've done, even when we hated and betrayed you. Yes, thank you. Yahweh God, I just thank you for for dying on the cross for all of us that condemned you and for looking the people who were cursing you in the face and saying, I love you. I just thank you for that. Hallelujah. Because we've all messed up. We've all been that person who hated you. And I just thank you for loving us when we deserved to die on the cross instead of you. You took that place. I mean, that, that, that amazes me so much. You took that place when we were spitting on you, when we were beating you, uh, not just when we were pleading with you as loved ones. You did it for us in the midst of us running away from you and and cursing your name i thank you for that and i just ask that that love be with us today and be with our listeners as they listen and for brad and i as we try to give you as best we can let us be the conduit for you jesus yahweh yeshua holy spirit ruach hakodesh work through us but uh don't let us be in charge you take charge here thank you hallelujah oh thank you scott you know it's true it's so true he's the only one that could do it he's the only one that could be spit in the face and say i love you i just don't think any of us would be capable of such a thing and truly mean it 
he truly loves us. Yeah. Oh, that is a, that 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 thank you for that. Okay. So today we're looking deeper into verse 9, chapter 1 verse 9. One of these days we might get to a new chapter, but uh, <laughs> the way I work, <laughs> I don't think so. Um actually, I originally planned this to be multiple verses today and as of right now as of recording my notes are only for the very first part of verse 9 so this might actually turn into a revelation study part 8 two parter maybe i don't yeah. know i don't, don't know. know we'll we'll see see how it goes <laughs> yeah we'll see we'll see what our timing looks like after i get through my my first uh, thoughts here today so just in case uh, we get to the end of this and you're confused, yeah, we're deciding. Brad's going to give this, and at the end of it, we're going to decide if we will come back and on another day finish the recording. So what you, the recording you might hear might actually be recorded on two different days, or like he said, we'll just call this part A and do part B on another day. Because honestly, uh, I I do have a fair amount of thoughts about uh, just the, the little bit that I've already looked to in this verse. So, yeah, this verse might be a two-parter, which is funny because I thought uh, this one I would kind of just get through very quickly uh, because, well, <laughs> this verse may not seem as grand as what came before it and maybe not as grand as what comes after it. Um no, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear this before we even get into the verse, Brad, because I do it so many times. I'm glad to see you do it too. That uh, I look at the initial notes I have, and I think, oh, this is going to speed by. You know, I don't have much here. But then the more you study, and the more you go, and the more you go, oh my goodness, there's so much depth here that I wasn't seeing before. And what I thought was going to be like ten verses and maybe filling half an hour turns out to be doing. Uh, an hour on just two verses or, or in this or, case or the like two words maybe. two words there you go yeah <laughs> so but so you're making me excited to hear what's going on here but uh so yeah so the verse before this you know is, is big it's it's all about jesus and you know he's the alpha and the omega and he's big and glorious and wonderful and the verse after this oh the verse after this um, I'm excited to get to that point at some point too, because we're going to hear Jesus speak and get a description of what he looks like in his glorified state. Awesome. Okay, so as I mentioned, one reason that this verse may seem a little less grand compared to what comes before and after, um, but there is a reason, <laughs> there is one reason here that makes me laugh whenever I think about it. It is that this verse is about a simple human named John, and the verse is sandwiched by other verses that talk about Jesus and how he is returning, and starting at verse 11, just after we hear the voice of Jesus, we get that awesome look at what he's looking like in his glorified state, and as I, as I mentioned, spoiler, it is awesome, but let's read, let me, let me read to you Revelation, uh, starting at the beginning, so far, all the way to verse 9 here, just the start of verse 9. And I want to see if you guys uh, find this as humorous as I do. Or at least find this as interesting as I do. Uh, this is the uh, King James Version to start with. 
the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all the things he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh in the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. And then, I, John. I, John, comma. So you have all of this amazing stuff. So maybe it's just me, but I love how this is put here. I, John, comma. When dealing with the things of God, this happens to me sometimes too. There are spirits, and there are Jesus, and there's this heavenly body, and there's this God that is beyond my comprehension, and my mind paints all of these amazing things in my head, but then something draws me back down to the realization that I am small, and I am merely a human. Right now, I think John is like any of us. He has experienced something beyond being just merely human. How could you not feel small when you see what is going on in the Spirit? But more than that, he saw the victory and all the things that must happen before the victory. Now he must tell us about it so we can also experience and be ready for what is to come. So even though all these amazing things are happening around him, he briefly brings us back to a merely human perspective, to introduce his credentials and to let us know what was going on when he received the revelation. Here is verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, it's almost like, it's in a way, it's almost like this right here is where the letter starts. Everything else was prelude. Everything else, I mean, I've heard it said that the first three verses are like an introduction and the letter starts, but it's almost like this is really where the letter starts. The rest of it was just, I want to tell you about how awesome God is, you know, but now it's like, I, John, was in the Isle that is called Patmos. This is where the story begins. This is our this is our beginning point. We're moving forward. The rest of it was just, oh, guys, you can't believe what I'm about to tell you. I think it's a lot like me. I think he just was super excited. And when I'm super excited about something, especially something related to God, it's really hard for me to, con- to make my thoughts cohesive. Mm-hmm. They just kind of... I think you do it too. I've seen you do it in some of your studies. <laughs> yeah. When you're excited about something, you, you go down this path and then you're like, oh, but wait, I need to talk about this. And then you go down this path. Oh, but wait, I got to talk about that. And then I got to get back mm-hmm. to my original path. I mean, I, 
to me, I see passion. I see excitement. I see wonder. I see, I see a man who just experienced. Some, this is a man who already experienced something amazing. He experienced his Savior. He walked with him. He talked with him. He learned things about his reality from Jesus. Yeah. Now, he remet his friend, his beloved Savior. He remet him in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this is like, this is like knowing uh, you have a friend, and then, and your friend's pretty cool. But then somewhere along the way, you realize my friend's also a celebrity. He's also, you know, he's also this yes. other thing that I did not understand. And that's just a very minimal comparison. But that's kind of the idea. Like this person you thought you knew is even wow, even more wow than you thought originally. Yeah. And he's human. He's like us. I mean, he's trying to process all of this. But, uh, but but yeah, I <laughs> once again I find this funny. I have both verse nine and ten here because I really did think I was going to uh, get a couple of verses <laughs> in. Oh, I should really know better by now. Um, okay, so let's look at uh, let's look at I John. Can I say real quick before you get going? Sure. Uh, just I want to throw this little tidbit out there, and I've talked to you about this before, but I always found this kind of humorous right here. And, and I've, I've shared this with you, but uh, I like like you were just talking about, kind of goes hand in hand, this awesome, amazing God we're talking about. And then it's like right here, he goes, I, and then it's almost, to me, I got this idea that like John is like turning to the audience, whatever, going, oh, just John now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yes. Is that what you were getting that's, to? Oh. That's what I'm trying to, that's why I find it so humorous. <laughs> Because, 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 okay. literally. So sorry, I didn't mean to steal that. From no, 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 no. That, that's that's exactly it. I'm glad it. I'm glad it's coming out. Uh, I'm glad you said it that way because you're right. It's it, he to me. That's what it is. It's been big and bold and and it's like he's he's given you the special effects. Yeah. But now he needs to kind of he needs to kind of really he needs your attention back on what's important. He's given you the splendor and the special effects, and so it's almost like oh, okay, now it's me again. Yeah, yeah, almost like he's like, I am Yahweh God talking to you. I am Yeshua, the you know, you know, the Son of God, uh, uh, giving you this message. I oh John, it's me it's, again. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like he stops and I just you know I realize that's not what he's doing, but I I found it humorous. I got this idea that he's just stopping and going. Oh wait, wait, we're just just me, J- just me now. Yeah, not, you know. No, no, that's why I find that so so interesting and funny and and like i said maybe maybe it's just us that see it that way but uh um but no i still find that that fun anyway um now last podcast we already looked further into the word i uh for the i am statements of jesus and if you recall i meant ego and we briefly talked about Mm -hmm. what that means but simply put if John says, I, John, then he is stating that he is a thinking, willing individual, and he's distinguishing himself from any other person or object in his own thoughts. He is acknowledging that he exists, and he's identifying himself as the individual of John. I have talked briefly in the very fir- first Revelation podcast about John, but I'm going to spend 
a lot more time here on who he was and why he was where he was at the time of Revelation. Scott and I have talked about in the conversation podcast about how uh, we don't just believe it, we know it to be true, but we, we believe that God will move all the pieces together so people will be at the right spot at the right time. Now, I've seen this many times in my own life, and Scott and I experienced it very recently when the right people just happened to be in town at the exact moment his front porch collapsed, and they were a great help to us to bring good from the potential bad situation that that could have been. Mm-hmm. Everything, uh, it's in a conversation podcast. I won't rehash it here, but... Oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just God does this. He will bring good from bad situations, and he'll move the pieces to the places that they need to be. And it was actually because of that happening recently in our lives that that's where this study started. So why, John? And why this island? That's what got me, got me curious uh, at, the, at the beginning of this study here. So that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna look at first before I get any into any word studies and the actual um, verse or anything like that. I like just just you saying that much has got my brain on fire and like oh I think I know where you're going with this this is oh my gosh I've already my brain's going never considered that before so I'm I'm gonna. Uh, you keep going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as always, these are, you know, these are my thoughts and opinions. So um, there could be some truth to them. There may be some things that are not truth. It just, uh, it's all being kind of, I'm hoping the spirit is definitely involved in my thoughts and opinions, but they're still being filtered through the things that interest me. So as always, I'll throw out that warning. If it sounds like truth, run with it. If it doesn't, then you can probably just toss it out. Less Brad, more spirit. But uh, so if I if I do this right, if I explain my thoughts correctly to our listeners, hopefully very soon you will see how John was the right person and the Isle of Patmos was the right location. So I started out with, who is John? And the simple answer, and as far as I'm concerned, the, tr- the, the truthful answer is, that this is the Apostle John, the beloved disciple, the most intimate earthly friend of Jesus, and the writer of the Gospel of John. Now, I have seen debates rising up in the community of supposed Bible scholars, and they would like to suggest this was not the same John. They would also like to suggest that Revelation itself is not important, or even to suggest that it should not be Scripture. This is my opinion, but my opinion is that they are wrong. And I share that opinion. (laughs) I also believe, even if these supposed Bible scholars are not aware that they are doing it, that they are being deceived, and they are being used to create diversion, distraction, and division, so believers will have doubt. Now, I've talked about this in previous podcasts, But I just want to mention to our listeners right at this point, you should be on guard for such deceptions, even if they come from supposed uh, sources that you should be able to trust. But 
going to get off my soapbox. I've talked about that plenty in previous ones. I want to get back to what's going on here. This is John, the beloved disciple. I like to use John as an example to myself, but also to anyone who will listen to me. While Jesus was here walking on the earth, John was with him at the most important times, including the crucifixion. John would lay on Jesus while Jesus was teaching or while they were eating. He would lay on him. I mean, he was so intimate with him that he, he would actually be like cuddled up to him, listening to everything that he had to say, soaking it all in. If that's not an example of what we should be doing in our relationship chasing right there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but uh, John had an intimate relationship with Jesus. So when it was time for us, the human population, to receive the revelation of our mighty Savior, Jesus gave it to his most intimate friend. And that right there tells us something else. If you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, he will reveal more of himself to you as well. I use this as an example because it shows exactly what Scott and I are hoping to to do in our own relationship journeys, but also with these podcasts. We just want to chase. We just want to know him more. We just want that intimacy. We don't want to be about religious ceremonies and saying the right words. This is about intimately knowing and chasing the God who loves us who loves us even more than we could ever love him. And he loves us even when we don't deserve it. As you were saying in the opening prayer, we don't deserve him. Mm -hmm. We don't. So that's that's, uh, um, the truth of that. This is the disciple John, very intimate relationship. Now I'm going to share some things now about John. Some of the resources I used are from outside of scripture. So this may not be perfect truth, but I still find some of this stuff interesting, and I still think it might help us understand who John was. The first thing that popped into my mind that was interesting is that at the time of Jesus's ministry, John was most likely just a young man, most likely a teenager, maybe younger. So this is a, a young man that, you, you, imagine all of us adults here. Let's go back and imagine what it's like to be a child and have an imagination and the world is more magical than it is as an adult with all the worries and responsibilities. When you say all us adults here, you speak for yourself. I am still a kid. <laughs> right. Um, so let's all be Scott for a moment. <laughs> Let's all look at the world through Scott's eyes and imagine and and remember what it's like to be a kid. But now imagine that the things that you imagine, the the magic in the world around you is real. There's a man here. There's a God. And he's able to do things that that only your imagination previously could have conjured up. What would that have been like? It's hard for me to, it's hard for me to, give an answer to that it just it was just something that made me wonder what would it be like to be a kid 
in the time of Jesus, to meet Jesus as a kid. Just something that was curious to me. No, that's a very good thought. Because uh, we do, uh, even when I think today about what would it have been like if only I could travel back in time and and listen to his sermons and meet him and, and see what happened. Yeah, I'm still thinking about it, you know, from, from my position as an adult. Uh, it you're right. I mean, I mean, he he implores us to always have the heart of a child, to always be like a child, uh, never lose that. But it's difficult to think about going back and seeing Jesus's ministry and experiencing him as a ten-year-old, as a fifteen-year-old, as 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 a young, fascinated, wide-eyed child, just just. Seeing, like you said, just the magic in all of this, the the wonder, the awe, instead of uh, the way I am now, a lot of the times is just analytical, and uh, that's interesting, and I love it, and 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 I'm not saying doing it this way is bad. This is another piece of who I am, and and thank God for it. But yeah, just to kind of no 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 set aside the analytical, set aside just just be in awe. Just let the emotion of the situation, let the wonderful daddy God just uh, just embrace you and, and feel that, that warmth and that love. Instead of, don't think about it, just experience it. I think that's why you and I are such a good team anyway. I'm the more emotional. Um, I look at the world with emotional understanding. You look at it with the more rational, logical, um, you know, we both have our... Mm-hmm. unique ways of investigating situations. Uh, we both have our unique ways of looking at a situation. And so I think I think that's why we work so well together as a team. But, uh, but yeah, no, that was just a thought that popped in my head. You know, being a kid, the world is already full of wonder and mystery, and but then to actually have the th- something miraculous happening... You know, just to me, it was just an interesting thought, uh, and I just wanted to—I I just wanted to share that. Um, the next fact about John that we know um, is that he was the younger brother of James, and they were the sons of Zebedee. Now, I was curious about that name Zebedee for some reason, and I found something that I thought was interesting. I don't really have too many conclusions about it, but I'm going to share it. Zebedee is Strong's Concordance 2199. Just in the Hebrew or the Greek? This is the Greek. Greek, okay. We're going to get to Hebrew in a second. Um, so 2199 in uh, the Greek, and it's uh, Zebdias. So pretty close. Zebedee, uh, the definition is pretty much just Zebedee, the father of the apostle James and John. Nothing uh, too much there. So I looked at the uh, at the Hebrew, and the Hebrew understand uh, the meaning behind this name as my gift. Um, but then I looked into it a little bit more. So most likely the Hebrew origin of this name is Zebediah, 
which means Yah has bestowed, or Yah has given, or simply just a gift. So the word bestowed makes me think of having all the gifts needed to do some sort of task. You are gifted in some way. It makes me wonder if the gifts in this case are actually Zebedee's sons. God bestowed from Zebedee two people that would become gifts to all of us Christians, if you really think about it. Now, I might be reading a lot into that, uh, my own thoughts and whatnot, so I'm not. Um, I'm going to pretty much just end it there. That's about all I really got from that. Um, but what we do know for certain is that Zebedee was a fisherman, and his sons helped with the fishing until they were called by Jesus. There is a chance, this is one of those sources outside of Scripture, there is a chance that Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Zebedee's wife were sisters, which means that Jesus and John may have been cousins. Interesting. I've never heard that before. Now, in my personal life, when I was growing up, I didn't have any uh, siblings, but I had a cousin, an older cousin, that I used to hero worship. He was a Marine. He was, you know, he was just cool to me. You know, he's seven years older than me, so he just always seemed that much cooler to me. I can't imagine if my cousin was actually Jesus. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow, <laughs> that, I, that's uh, <laughs> that, that's kind of hard to top that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there is a chance. Like I said, that's a source outside of Scripture, so we don't know that for sure. Um, next thing I found interesting. Uh, and I've, I've, I've been intrigued by this for a long time. I don't know why I never looked it up. But uh, at one point in Scripture, Jesus gives James and John the nickname of Sons of Thunder. And, that, and like I said, it always intrigued me. What a cool title. Son <laughs> of Thunder. Like, and this is from Jesus, nonetheless. Jesus gave him this title. It, uh, so I decided, well, what better time than now to look into it? Now, some of the sources I found suggested that the reason he gave them this nick- nickname is because of the gospel story of how the brothers wanted to call down heavenly fire on the Samaritan town, and Jesus rebuked them for it. So it may have been a nickname to actually remind them of their failing, like, Huh. You're a son of thunder. You know, it's a way of saying, hey, remember remember that time that I, I rebuked you because wrong thinking. Like, it, it could be like a jab in a way, too, a nickname and a jab. Right. But, but there's, also, there's also the simple truth that Jesus knew them intimately. He knew them better than they knew themselves. So this could actually go many ways. That could be part of it. It could also be that Jesus already knew that John was going to be important uh, for the revelation, which, I mean, that's that's a, a thunder right there. The revelation, the impact that that had, that is thunder. But, uh, but it could be a number of reasons. Um, but then that, that, gave me, that got me curious. Does Jesus have nicknames for... 
all of us, <laughs> you know, and will they be based upon our character? I mean, we get a hint of that. That's one of the rewards offered to uh, one of the churches later in Revelation is that basically God has a name for you that only he knows. So that just got me thinking about that. Once again, nothing, no major conclusions from that. Just found it interesting. Now, of course, there's so much more in the Gospels and the letters about John. So I'm not going to go into all of these things um, that you can read in Scripture for yourself. But I do have a few more things about John uh, that I appreciate and I do want to share. The first is that John remained near to Jesus at the foot of the cross. And I just, I've always appreciated this. Um, maybe because I had a single mom. And uh, and if you've listened to any of our podcasts, you know we had a history. And then there was forgiveness. And then there was, uh, you know, this just joy of uh, making up for lost time. Anyway, needless to say, John, uh, John is at the foot of the cross and Jesus asks John to care for his mother. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and just read it. It's the Gospel of John 19, 26 through 27. I'm reading the Passion Translation here. So when Jesus looked down and saw the disciple he loved standing with her, he said, Mother, look, John will be a son to you. Then he said to John, look, she will be a mother to you. From that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. I think that this is an amazing example of intimacy. Jesus chose John to care for his mother. And I also love the Passion Translation here because it states John accepted Mary not just into his home, but as one of his family. So now there was no there was there was no distinction between her being anything else. She was family. Which that got me thinking. Isn't it truth that Jesus unites us all, the whole human race, as family? Just a thought. After Jesus ascended, John was a prominent part of the early church. Like the other apostles, he spent time in jail, he faced tribulation and persecution, and we find out in Revelation was exiled for his preaching. Also interesting to me, the church fathers testify that he outlived all the other apostles, and he was the only one to die of natural causes. According to tradition and testimonies, James was the first apostle to die, and he, was, he died a martyr's death, and John was the last of the apostles to die. I got nothing on that other than that's interesting. The older brother died first of all the apostles. The younger brother died last of all the apostles. There might be something to that, but I don't have it. Now, one last thing on John that I wanted to investigate here was the Hebrew roots of his name and to see if there was anything interesting that I could find from that. This is Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew 31.10, Yochanah, and it basically is just a proper name. But I saw that the word origins show, uh, say that it was a shortened version of another name found in Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew 30.76, 
which is Yahokana. Yahokana. This definition is the Lord has been gracious. Now, it was capital L-O-R-D, so we know that uh, King James Version, when it does capital L-O-R-D, this is actually saying Yahweh. So Yahweh is gracious. That by itself is kind of cool, but I found some other things I thought were interesting. The uh, word origin, if people are, uh, are interested, is the Yahweh and Kana. So when you put those together, you get Yahweh has been gracious. Cool. Scott, I'm going to try something here. Okay. And I'll ask you and our listeners, don't judge me too harshly because this is normally your thing. <laughs> All right. Um, especially if I've misspelled this, um, uh, if I've not spelled this correctly. But I have created a Hebrew word picture with the spelling of Yahokana. 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 <laughs> Um, that I do want to share with you all. Now, if you listen to Scott's awesome gospel, if you listen to Scott's awesome Genesis podcast, you know that this is something he does, and I would argue he does it very well. And I'm going to try to do it as well as I can. All right. <laughs> the spelling, if I've got this right, is Yod Hey Vav Chet and Nun. So like I said, if you've listened to Scott's podcast studies, you know that each of those letters have meanings behind them, and you can create a word picture using those meanings. There can be many different interpretations of the word picture meanings, but any way you look at it, they are awesome, and they are definitely fun to consider. The word picture that I got here was, because of Yeshua's work, Behold grace and mercy from the nail, and join with him, the one we were once separated from, and and you will have everlasting life. That's what I got from that. I like that. I liked it too. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> <clears throat> because of Yeshua's work, behold grace and mercy from the nail, and join with him the one we were once separated from, and you will have everlasting life. You know what? The first thing that jumped out to me when you said that is this is the name of John, and he was the only one who beheld the nail. Oh, Scott. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I, I, According I don't, to what you just said. Yeah, yeah. No, of all the apostles, he was the only one uh-huh. To actually be at the actual crucifixion. Yeah. The others were either um, hiding because they were they were they were afraid, or um, I think they were <laughs> dealing with their shame of um, denying Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So I mean, there was there was if I remember the picture correctly, it was both Marys, it was John, and then. It mentions other women that were there uh, that mm-hmm. were going to prepare the body, but uh, but yeah, none of his actual uh, other apostles were there. And and you're right, I didn't even I did not make that connection. That does make it even more 
Well, it's like what you do. <laughs> it makes yeah. it even more meaningful. Uh huh. Wow. Well, thank you for that. Okay. Thank you. That that was no. I just the depth of that name. Now, I mean, just it. See, now I'm at that part where you know the first time I've heard this, so my mind is going and just you know I don't have any real conscious thought. I just. Oh my gosh, it's it's just reaching out and grasping at feelings and ideas and you know, it's difficult to put it into words, but yeah, that's cool. Well, and when I was when I was uh doing that, at first I wasn't really getting anything. I was I was looking at it and I'm just like, "Oh, Scott does this so well. Is there, <laughs> is there some sort of trick to this that I'm just not seeing?" Um, but I just spent time with it and I just uh you know, I just, I looked at all the words, possible meanings, and I just went back and forth with it. And then it just kind of fills in itself if you let it. Mm-hmm. If you don't force it and just let it, let it speak to you, it kind of does. It just kind of writes itself. So thank you, but I can't honestly say it was mine. Which is good. Right. <laughs> all right. So now that's some information um, on the who. But why was revelation given on the Isle of Patmos? As I said earlier, I genuinely believe God puts the right person in the right spot for the right reasons. So that thought made me think that there might be something to this island. That led me to look more into it. And here's what I found. First, according to church tradition, John was banished to the island of Patmos after being plunged into boiling oil in Rome and suffering no damage from it. That's not from scripture. So take with that uh, for what that is. But it is said that all of the audience of the Colosseum that saw this were converted that day because they witnessed this miracle. Now, like I said, it's not from scripture, so it may or may not be truth, but it is still possible because we know that God can make possible things happen from impossible circumstances. From scripture, we know that he can close the mouth of the lions. Mm -hmm. Daniel survived the lion's den. We know that these kind of things are possible because of God. What I, and then this, I will preface this once again. I'm sorry I keep doing this. I just want you to really know these are my opinions. These are not, these are my conclusions. There might be there might be all truth and there might be just me getting in the way here, but I personally have read studies both from Christian sources and from non-Christian sources that say the amount of people that were converted in the early days of the Christian church should not be possible mathematically in the short period of time and over the distances that it all happened. But look at this story right here. John surviving, being boiled alive, being boiled alive in front of thousands of people. This one possible miracle, and that whole, all those thousands of people were converted. It also makes some sense. They didn't know what to do with this guy. They literally tried to kill him. He didn't die. And worse... Thousands of people were converted to Christianity. Rome does not want that. So what choice did they have but to banish him? Right. I mean, like I said, 
This is all just possible stuff. But as we know, God can make possible stuff happen from impossible. So there could be some truth to this stuff. I mean, just imagine, once again, imagine being in the Colosseum that day. And they put this man, you can see the oil. You can see it boiling. You can see the steam. You can see it. They put him in it. And then they bring him out and he's fine. He's not hurt. That would at least make you rethink some of the things that you've thought in your life. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, even if you don't immediately go, his God is the correct one. I'm immediately converting. It would still make you go, what? Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought of that too. I don't, I don't know the story. I haven't looked into it, but uh, I'd, I'd heard, well, okay. I'd heard that, uh, the story that John had been put into boiling oil and come out unscathed, but I always imagined it like somewhere in a deep, dark torture room kind of situation. I didn't imagine it in the middle of the Colosseum. So that's new to me. I didn't, I hadn't heard that part of it. There were several Roman emperors that made a big show of killing Christians, um, for multiple reasons, but, but yeah, they, I don't know if this is true or not. I haven't actually looked into this, but you've heard of Roman candles as in the firework. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I've heard that Roman candles were actually Christians that they had set on fire and used as, uh, like street lights and whatnot. So I had heard that, you know, so stuff like that, um, was happening, uh, in Rome. Um, they did make public show out of killing people that were, um, accused of sorcery, witchcraft, anything that anything that could deter the people away from believing that the Roman emperor um, and the Roman gods were the big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, anything that might deter people from that, uh, they were considered an enemy of Rome, and they had they were killed in gruesome terrible ways i knew that in fact that's one of the reasons why when they're bringing jesus before pilate and he's like there's nothing wrong what's going on they bring up the fact well he's putting himself above caesar uh they they're trying to find anything and they knew that that would get the romans to want to kill them uh and you know that made Pilate go what that now we've got this on top of it and he went back and re-questioned him because you're right what they were saying wasn't working so they changed their tactic to well he 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 calls himself a god above caesar it's exactly what you were talking about anything that led you away from the divinity of the most high roman emperor that was to be destroyed right so they were trying to bring that up to destroy jesus so it does make sense, uh, you know, that, yeah, that that would happen. Well, and most likely, uh, Revelation, uh, all of this was occurring during the Roman rule of Domitian, and he was known for particularly hating Christians. So, I mean, all of this is very probable. Um, I'd almost put it in the category of most likely, um, but I'm just me. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not a... I'm not a history major. I'm not. I'm nothing like that. But, uh, um, but it does make sense to me. It does make sense. But I will I preface all of this with uh, these sources do not come. If it doesn't come from Scripture, I will not stand on it and say that this is perfect truth. 
um, since these are not coming from scripture, if you have a different opinion and you want to want to share it with me, and I will I will bow down to your expertise. Um, but something happened. <laughs> For some reason, he was banished uh, to this island. That is in scripture, so we can say that that's true. Well, yeah. <clears throat> now, I imagine John was exiled because. They did not want him converting any more people away from the idea that the Roman emperor was not the most superior. And if the story of burning John in oil is true, then I imagine they didn't know what to do with him. Getting him far away from the center of Rome, where he could not do any more damage, probably seemed about the best idea. Well, let's say the story of the burning oil isn't true. I think your conclusion is still valid. They still wanted to just get rid of him. Right. Now, banishment was a common punishment used during the imperial period of Rome uh, for many crimes. So this, that part is credible. The island itself of Patmos, uh, ancient writers don't really talk about it. So there's not much information about the earliest days of Patmos. But uh, there is a Greek myth. I'm not going to share it because I just don't really feel like sharing Greek myths on this uh, but you can look it up if you want. Um, according to the Dictionary of Scripture, proper names, Patmos means my killing. And I found that interesting, but but then I discovered why I think it's called that, my killing. Uh, most likely because the island is uh, basically a void of plants and crops can't produce See, uh, plants don't produce seeds. They don't uh, produce fruit. So I found that interesting. Oh, huh, yeah. Um, just a thought I had when I read that. Maybe it does not bear fruit as a physical example, as Scott will say. Maybe it does not bear fruit as a physical example of spiritual truth. On an island that is considered to not be hospitable by our standards, yet here God put John there and gave him one of the best fruits ever in the unveiling of Jesus, our Savior. Because of Revelation, a dead island was at the epicenter of an ultimate spiritual truth and life given to us by the Almighty God. That, that is cool. I mean, it, just, it testifies to the fact of what Revelation is all about, too. Just going back, I mean, all of Revelation is, here is the incredible death and destruction and and just supposed loss uh, of of God's plan and God's people I mean in the middle of this it's to the people living it it's just the apparent defeat of God in a lot of ways and just showing at the end uh no no uh-uh, no <laughs> no it's not what you think uh-uh no there's nothing that can get so dark as to defeat his light and, and that's the whole point, is uh, showing you the worst that Satan can throw at him and him just brushing it off and, and saying, you know, yeah, when are you going to throw something serious at me? I mean, just, just the awesomeness of who God is. Uh, and yeah, you're right. It is. It's physically, uh, he put him in that situation to mirror that point. He put him in the middle of complete lifelessness to show how this amazing life-bearing work came through. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you. That was well-spoken. I was trying my best to explain exactly what you just said. Uh, God brought good things to a dead island, but he also brought good things from a bad situation for John. Let us remember that John was not there by choice or any desire of his own. He was there for banishment and punishment. He most likely was sent there to die. Working in the mines on an island where crops do not grow, yet he continues his relationship with his beloved Jesus. So the evil plans of the unbelieving government said, send him to die. But instead, so much life was given on this death island to John. I just, God, you're awesome. <laughs> you're just amazing. I it just, it's all the, like, like I said, he's working every little piece, but it's even more perfect than we know. Everything about God is so perfect. It just blows my mind when I see this stuff. Now, uh, God never forgot about John. John's in a bad situation, but God never forgets about him. God put him where he needed to be and provided to us an example of spiritual truth from physical things all at the same time. Now, once again, I'll remind you, these are just my thoughts, but, and I could be wrong about this, but I was trying to get an idea of where Patmos was. I was looking at a map of the seven churches, Patmos, Rome, Israel, just trying to get a sense of where all of these places are related to one another. And I realized something. Patmos is almost at the center of the map. And all these other places are around it and surround it in kind of a big circle. Patmos was a great place to have the revelation. Because then, when sharing it, you could basically pick any direction and sell away and you would hit some place of note. I noticed that Paul, in his travels, was sailing close to Patmos at least twice while he was on his trips building the churches. Rome thought they were sending John into exile, but in reality, they were putting him in the ideal spot to get the revelation to the growing church communities in Asia, and even to the Jews back home in Israel, and because of the busy trade routes, I'm sure the revelation made it right back to Rome as well. I mean, yeah. all of this uh, just goes to show evil plans here on earth will happen, but God will still make good from that evil. It Amen. just blows my mind. Okay. So, <laughs> I, hope, I hope that our listeners have been finding all of this as interesting as I have. The truth is, I'm just amazed at how perfect God is in all of his planning and execution. It also makes me remember the truth that any bad situation that I find myself in, any bad situation that you find yourself in, God has a way for there to be good to come from it. We just need to figure out what it is. And Scott, I'm going to say we're going to have to do another podcast. Yeah. For 
No, I think you pulled a lot out of this one. I don't know if it was more than you expected, but... uh, Well, yeah, we're right at the hour mark. So so I'm going to call this one... This is its own thing. This is its own uh, part, and we will continue on uh, with the rest of verse 9 when uh, uh, in, in my in my next actual study uh, unless of course I get off track again and <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> but no no I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I, okay so Keep I just getting off track I don't care yeah it just it just amazes me how that happens too I mean I really really maybe I just need to stop reading ahead because I go oh I'm not gonna be able to find much from that and then Actually, no, I'm going to keep doing that because I like surprising myself when this there happens. You go. But but it's true. I really did thought, I really thought this time, guys, we're going to get through multiple verses. <laughs> and I didn't even get through one. <laughs> See, God has plans. <laughs> but anyway, um, any last thoughts that you have, Scott? No, just I appreciate that closing thought of um, what Satan designs for evil God turns around to good for those who love him. He knows what's going on. Um, and, and yeah, sometimes you're right. In our darkest situations, we think, what's going on? And God's going, no, there's a reason. The light is going to shine. There, there's a reason for this. Trust me. Um, and that, that can be so difficult. You're right. That is the key word there, trust. Um you know, where I'm at in my relationship journey, it's easy for me to say, oh yeah, blind trust. I don't need to see. I, I, you know, I will trust. I understand baby Christians. Uh, that's a lot harder. Um, so, and it would be a lot harder for you and I, if tomorrow the government takes all our possessions, we are thrown out in the street. We're mocked by everyone. Our family turns on us. Uh, we're, you know, it suddenly our situation could be like, God, what's going on? You know, I thought you had my back. Yeah. I I thought, you know, it would, it's sometimes it's harder. It's easy to say in, in certain circumstances that I trust you, God, than it is in others. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. We, we are blessed in one sense that we don't really have the persecution that a lot of people face. We don't. We definitely don't have the tribulation that John was facing. Um, our government is not, not yet anyway, is not uh, banishing us or mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to uh, put us on trial for believing in the word. So you're right, absolutely. However, it could also be a blessing if those things did happen because then think about how our relationship could really grow mm-hmm. if we were really trusting God, not just in the good that we have, but even trusting him in the bad. But yeah, but yeah that's what I got for this one. So It's a good one <laughs> in the books. So this has been Brad. And this has been Scott. And this has been not about us.